following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> yes. Allow me to puff as well. Mm. Uh, Those are some powerful herbs. <laughs> giving me dark visions. Shall we pack this again? I, I'm not giving visions. I'm not sure if it's working, is it? Oh. Visions. Oh. Visions. Thaddeus, are you seeing what I'm seeing? You making a fool of yourself. <laughs> I think Jacko's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you. Hold on one second here. The Jacko. Welcome one, welcome all, back inside the Jackal's Head, live on PSN Radio. This is, of course, the home of the show since day one, folks, many, 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 many years ago, a buttload of years ago. And I just want to say thank you all for listening in and tuning in on this uh, very rainy evening. Hopefully all my listeners here in South Florida are safe at home and uh, just relaxing. We have a great show for you tonight. I have a double uh, trouble type of night. I have two guests. So I'm going to uh, go through this real quick. Uh, coming on in a few minutes, I have Paul Dale Roberts who's going to join me in the first hour. We're going to talk about his work within comic books and uh, his uh, books, his paranormal stuff. He's, of course, no stranger to the show. You guys know who he is. He's been on this show, Skywatchers, and, uh, you know, he's one of my favorites. He's one of your favorites. A lot of people ask me uh, when, you know, spe- you know, especially when I wasn't on the air, they were asking me, when are you going to have Paul Dale Roberts? When is he going to come back on? And I was like, are you guys paying attention? I wasn't even on the air for about a year. Um, then, too. But, uh, you know, Paul Dale Roberts always makes time for us, and he's a great guest. Now, this is October 6th, and uh, right before midnight, when the second hour strikes, we're going to have a young lady called Mindy Indy, and she's going to join us in the second hour, and we're going to talk to her about her comic book creations and uh, her work in the field of art. She's a tremendous artist, and I think... You folks are going to really enjoy uh, not only hearing, you know, her uh, life story, which, uh, you know, maybe my listeners have not uh, done their homework on the uh, advertising I've done this week about the show and have not really researched her that much. So sit back, you're going to enjoy her story, and we'll got her into the world of art. And uh, that's going to be in the second hour at the 11 o'clock to the midnight hour, the big last hour of the show as i like to call it the main attraction that's when i have the especially when i have a new guest on who've never been on the show um they always go in the second hour for those new to the show and uh, i'm really excited to talk to her she comes highly recommended and i was looking into uh some of her stuff and it's really really you know cool stuff she's very vibrant and i like her videos especially uh the kickstarter account she has going we're going to talk about that big time because i want to promote that not only uh on the show tonight but you're going to see it linked up uh, on the website uh if you guys go to angelespino.com or thejackal.com whichever you, know, you want to go to it's uh, going to take you to the same place and uh the uh podcast is linked on uh, there now 
you could actually uh, check it out about a few minutes after the show, and you can download the MP3. But her Kickstarter page is there if you want to go to uh, angelespinal.com and uh, click on the banner that has her picture on it. You'll see a big old video, and it's really cool. She put it together uh, to promote that Kickstarter. So hopefully we uh, we do her right, and uh, she gets a lot of people on following her Kickstarter and donating so we can get her project out there. So that's going to be in the second hour, guys. I have a couple things I want to get to news-wise on this beautiful October 6, 2019. So uh, let's uh, get to one or two things that you want, I wanted to cover before I get Mr. Paul Dale Roberts on the line. Like I said, there's not a whole lot I want to get to, but there is a couple of things that I want to touch on, and uh, you, you can actually find this right on my website. Now, as you guys know, I'm a huge comic book nerd, and Mindy Indy, uh, Paul Dale Roberts, Roberts are both linked in that. They're, they're comic book uh, folks, uh, you know. You have our Airhead uh, comics, and uh, Paul Dill Roberts has a buttload of stuff he's done over the years, and I'm sure he's going to love sharing uh, the info with you with you guys. Uh, but there's a big story uh, that's come out this uh, last couple of days. Uh, new photos have come out of the WB's casting uh, of uh, Brandon Ralph, Tom Welling, and Tyler uh, Hetchlon, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, the three... TV Superman are now in the crisis of, on Infinite Earth. If you go to the website, you'll get to see uh, Brandon Routh, who of course played Superman in Superman Returns, in full Superman Kingdom Come costume. He looks epic. I mean, it looks fantastic. I love the material they used. The colors are vibrant, doesn't look dull and boring like Superman Returns, like Brian Singer's. Superman Returns, which was terrible. Um, Tyler, his suit, yeah, a little bit darker colors. Now, they're doing the multiverse stuff. We have Tom Willing. So far, the only pictures that have come out uh, is of him on Smallville. Looking, looking slightly older than you might remember him uh, almost a decade ago it was. Something like that. Um, so, he, he looks a little bit uh, older, you know. Uh, we haven't seen him in the suit yet. Uh, uh, let's see, because remember, Smallville was about him becoming Superman. The last episode, he takes off the shirt at the end. You see him rescue the plane. So he's Superman, and he, this is a little bit older, so he should wear a suit. Now, I think they might be holding back on the way he looks, uh, or he looks in it because they might just be measuring him and getting it ready now since he's the last one to kind of join the the party, so to say. And he will be uh, definitely represented. I think uh, they're going to have him in the last few episodes where it's directly with the Arrow TV show. So that's exciting uh, as a Smallville fan. Take a look at that and uh, check that out right on angelespinal.com. Also on there... Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. I just want to talk about this for a second. Uh, yesterday, the president uh, had an urgent speech at the Young Black Leader Summit, and I recorded the video. It's really, really cool. Terrence K. Williams is a, a black dude, and he's very uh, open and, and vocal in the uh, Republican Party and on Twitter. Was on. Uh, they invited him on there. He went. He's a really short dude compared to the president, who's super tall. But he had a very cool speech, 
It, the video is on there uncut. The actual just portion of the video is on the website. If you, if you want to see the entire thing, uh, the the whole thing is also posted on there. So I did both for the audience. Uh, so check that out again, angelespino.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-E-S-P-I-N-O.com. Angelespino.com. Now I'm going to take a short recess, uh, break, whatever you want to call it, and we're going to get my guest, Paul Dale Robertson, have him on to the end of the hour, and uh, then a little bit over, and now we're going to go on break and get Mindy Indy on for the second hour, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. Comic book evening on Inside the Jackal's Head. I want everybody to stick around, because we're going to be back, but first, check out Enemy by Tim Brennan. I I love this track. I gotta have this guy back on. He's a great, great musician. Check it out, guys. Now, without further delay, and I'm sorry we had a little bit of a delay there, but we finally got him on the line. The one and only Mr. Paul Dio Roberts. Thank you, buddy, for being back with us. Uh, sorry about the uh, little uh, miscommunication there, but uh, glad to see you're, you're well. And uh, welcome back to the show, sir. How you been? Angel, I've been doing fine. Thank you for having me back on your show. Let me tell you, my friend, uh, as soon as I got back on the horse, because I don't know if you've been keeping up, but I've been off the air for a number of years. Uh, but as soon as I started back the show, I was like, Paul Dale Roberts must come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long time. You're not yeah, kidding, my friend. Things, oh, yeah. A lot of things been happening, too. So I'm still doing the paranormal investigating. Um, um, I've been doing some documentaries. I did, I've um, seen that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did um, Mysteries of the National Parks on the Travel Channel. I did two episodes. Um, we did actually three episodes of Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. And one of them I have a, sort of a funny story about, so... <clears throat> but um, um, we did one in which uh, um, this lady, her son committed suicide in the shower, and she felt oh. like he was haunting the place. Oh, that's And not so good. we did an investigation, and that's called Crisis in Oakdale. See, I, I would have gone with I would have gone with a clean suicide because he's in the shower, committed suicide. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, or, yeah. or, 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 or a, a, a cleanly haunting, or cleanliness haunting, or something. Clean haunting. Yes, a cleanliness. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the episode is called Crisis in Oakdale. And okay. so Ghost Adventures went up there. They took the bullet out of the wall. It freaked out the mother. She just cried oh, wow. hysterically. Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the most saddest episodes that Ghost Adventures ever did. And now, when, when, was the, wife, uh, sui- when was the suicide? Uh, when did that take place again? When was it that he committed suicide? You would never believe it. Okay, so he was, he had some some mental issues. And Clearly. He blamed a lot of the things that are going wrong with our system, our society, when it deals with people with mental handicaps. And he blames it on, and you probably heard this name, Donald Trump. Oh, goodness. 
Yeah. Uh. And he wrote a suicide note, and it had, and he blamed it on the president of the United States. So this and was recent. Because of that. <laughs> say that again, Angel. So this was a recent suicide. Oh yeah, very recent yeah. suicide. I would say it happened uh, about two two years and four months ago. Oh goodness. Yeah. The guy hadn't done anything yet at that point. No reason to kill yourself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. At, no least let, at, at least let, let him fail at something before you start committing suicide, people. Well, I mean, come on, seriously? Yeah. That, that's just, that's sad. But, uh, again, this goes back to the notion, I don't want to get too much into politics, but um, this, you know, gets back into what I, I say all the time, uh, Paul. It's not guns that kill people, it's People with mental disabilities that get their hands on guns, uh, whether it's, you know, be by a parent or on the streets or whatever way it is, they're the ones that are doing a lot of these things. Uh, they, then, you know, the media blows up and uh, blames the guns. Like, the guns are just, you know, guns wake up one day and they're like, you know what, today I'm going to fire off around at somebody's face. I'm just going to go by myself. I don't need anybody to take me, you know, with them. I just feel like going and killing people. Oh, you know what? I'm going to kill the, uh, the guy who owns me. The guns don't do that. People with, the, you know, when you said mental illness, clearly you have to be mentally ill to, to kill yourself, first of all. Um, but continue. What, what did you discover uh, with your investigation here? Well, my wife, uh, Deanna, and I'll say Deanna uh-huh. Jackson Stinson, because if you Google her name, you'll see all kinds of stuff that she came up with. Yeah, shout out to her, by the way. Um, I haven't talked to her in a while. Great gal. Great young lady. Yeah, great gal. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. But anyway, uh, yeah, so she, okay, for a, I was investigating the house, my team members, and we weren't getting anything. So, uh, Uh I asked my wife, I said, honey, if he's here, can you find him for me? And so we can get some kind of evidence. So she started doing a little walkthrough, and she goes, I feel him right here. So I brought out my recorder. I started recording, and sure enough, we got his voice. And the mother started crying hysterically. She goes, that's him, that's him. And one of the EVPs, he was saying, Mom, I'm here. So it was like, wow, okay. So Deanna picked him up. She saw where he was at, and he was definitely in the house, and he, we got that uh, information which validated her sighting where he said, Mom, I'm here. So that she just totally, she lost control. She just, she would hysterically just start crying, and she goes, Oh, my God, he is here. And she, she was just freaked out. <clears throat> and then too. Jack... When he pulled out the bullet out of the shower, uh, she freaked out again. She she really lost it. Oh, goodness. Now, they had to discover this bullet. Forensic uh, went in, and, I mean, nobody saw the bullet there? Uh, it was in, it was uh, inside the, the shower wall. Oh, you okay. could see where the hole was. But uh, Zach went in there, dug it out, and pulled the bullet out. And, oh, uh, good. 
So he, he, he said that the bullet needed to come out because it carried a lot of the negativity of what that boy felt. No kidding, yeah. My yeah. goodness. That is horrible. Now, is that uh, that's going to be uh, on a documentary? Are you putting? Uh, uh, did you record this on a video? Is it on, on the internet where the audience can go and watch it? All you have to do is Google "Ghost Adventures Crisis in Oakdale." Okay. <clears throat> Crisis in Oakdale. Yeah, and you'll well, you'll watch the whole episode. Yeah. So we just did another thing. <clears throat> they did a follow-up on it, in which is called um, um, Ghost Adventures, Where Are They Now? Where they're interviewing the mother and the daughter of the boy who committed suicide. And you see Deanna in that one. You don't see me, but you see Deanna. And then, um, uh, then we did another one over in Antelope, California, which is right next to Sacramento. And it's a lady named Layla, and she said she had demons in her house, and the demons were very, very violent, and it made her violent. And in one situation, she sent us a series of pictures where she had bruises on her legs, she had cut marks on her legs, she had blood running down her legs, she had bruises in her fists. Yeah. And um, her husband, when I was talking to her husband, the husband says, well, I'm afraid when you guys come up here that she might turn violent on you. I go, what? So um, so I talked to Brittany Breen. She's like one of the TV producers for Ghost Adventures. And Brittany says that they were very interested in the case, but they didn't want me to bless the house. And the reason why they didn't want me to bless the house, they didn't want me and Deanna to bless the house. Beyond does uh, metaphysical cleansing, and I do a uh, Roman Catholic house blessing. And um, by the way, are you Roman Catholic? Uh, are you Roman Catholic background? Because I've never actually no, I, uh, I was, got that clarified. I was born and raised. I was born and raised a Catholic. Okay. Um, I'm not a practicing Catholic. You won't because you don't look Roman. Not Sunday. for not to not to come off racist or anything, but you don't look Roman. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, my priest... <laughs> I, I don't look Roman either, so no hate. <laughs> anyway, with a guy with, with a name like Angel, are you a real angel? <laughs> Negative. <laughs> oh, Lord. I think we got to know uh, both answers there, my friend. No and no. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so Brittany tells me, she goes, don't bless the house. Don't have your wife bless the house. You don't bless the house. And the reason why is that they want that demonic force in the house when Zach and his crew goes into the house. So when the night that we were supposed to have the investigation, we're supposed mm-hmm. to do an assessment for ghost adventures to let them okay. know what kind of evidence we got, blah, blah, blah. So we get up there, all the way up to the house, and I'm standing by by the car, and I said, okay, Layla, I'm here. And Layla goes, well, we're not there. Well, I'm in front of her house. I can see that she's watching TV. I can also, too, see her go into the kitchen, turn on the light, 
go into the refrigerator and pull out some milk. And she's lying to me saying, hey, I'm not at home, but I'm standing right there in front of her house. And I said, well, we're supposed to do an assessment for ghost adventures. And she says, well, if you're not blessing my house, I don't want you here. I go, okay. So then uh, we found, we left. It was me, Deanna, and then my other um, investigator, Randall Johnson, we were there. And so we all left. And when I got on the phone with Brittany, I said she wouldn't let us in because we're not blessing the house. And because Brittany had actually told her, I don't want Paul blessing the house because we got Zach and his crew of Ghost Adventures in there investigating. So um, so Brittany was really surprised that I wasn't able to get an assessment. So we were just completely cut off from that show. And because they would have interviewed us. But what they did was they gave us a special thanks. So you'll see Dion and my name on the special thanks. So that's what they did. Oh, so, okay. But that was, yeah, it was a very interesting case. And it's called, that, that case is coming up on TV. And it's called California Screaming. Mm. And in that episode, um, Zach and the crew, they did an investigation and some kind of weird thing happened over there. And then they also too left and went to Dorita Puente's house, the serial killer, because mm. someone's claiming that they saw the full apparition of Dorita Puente. El Lipa, now let me ask you, what, what's that story? El Lipa Puente? Oh, yeah. She was a serial killer. She had a boarding house for uh, very poor people that were getting paid through their Social Security. So they were okay. rooming in her house. And I think she had something like eight rooms in this gothic old 1800s mansion. Wow. And what was happening, she was uh, in cahoots with her handyman, and they were uh, giving poison, poison food and poison drinks to the people that were boarding in that house. And she was receiving their Social Security checks in the mail and cashing them in. And she killed something like, uh, wow, uh, I believe, I, I, killed, I think she killed about nine people. She buried them in her front yard, and one was found by the Sacramento River. And that's Dorita Puente. She was a serial killer. Wow. Now let's go back to the uh, to the previous story with the demons. Uh, for the audience who might not you know know what's the difference between a uh, demon uh, and poltergeist activity because uh, sometimes they're mistaken, correct? Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And poltergeist it can be. But well, both are, are very active and and they can cause like you know physical harm. Uh, I mean that's oh sure yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and poltergeist could be like one or two things. One, it could be a mischievous spirit that causes havoc in the house, throwing things around, opening up the cabinets, maybe scratching you a little bit. Or it could be, let's say, an adolescent child who releases that energy. They're going from uh, girl to woman or boy to man. And they release that energy, and that energy is powerful, 
which can also, too, open up cabinets, throw out dishes, and do all kinds of crazy things in that house. So, yeah, huh, you got things going on there. Yeah, yeah. and you know, the, the, you're not the first person actually who's told me that, that usually kids when they're uh, getting older, especially girls, when they're uh, you know entering puberty, they tend to have a lot of activity around them. Now, oh, yeah. it, is it because they're they're more open to this activity? What do you assess that to? Well, they they say that you know if you used your the full capacity of your brain, you can move uh-huh. a mountain. So there, when they're going through that those stages, there's so much energy built up. It builds up like a little ball or a, like, maybe like a volcano, and when it's released. It can cause all kinds of crazy activity, you know, like I said, like with the doors opening, cabinets opening, and everything else. So, yeah, yeah, that's a lot of energy inside of a little child that's becoming a man or a woman. Have you seen the video? I think it was out of Haiti, if I remember correctly. It was a teenage kid who claimed he was possessed, and um, he was... uh, standing by a wall and he got pulled by something and it, was, it really looked like he was being dragged um, physically I don't know how they would be able to pull it off because it didn't look like anything tied on his ankles or anything and he literally like lifted off the ground have you seen, ever seen that video? I have not seen that video no I haven't I'm gonna but share it that sounds with you. really interesting you'll have to yeah, send me the link yeah, yeah there's a, he actually posted a couple of videos that he claimed that he was uh, legit that it was, he was being possessed. There, there's a couple of him sitting down where the chair is just moving, and there's no way physically he could be doing it uh, unless this kid has some kind of like Jedi Force, you know, power. But I doubt that's the case. But I'm gonna tell you that. Like, uh, now, have you encountered uh, that kind of stuff where you've gone in one of these investigations where you are physically seeing, you know, people being dragged? Um, have you come across that yet? That that has to be really Terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Angel, a lot of that stuff is just really Hollywood. I, I have not seen anyone drive across the floor. I, I didn't see anybody crawl up a wall and, and climb on the ceiling, you know, and crawl on the ceiling and stuff like that. I haven't seen any of that. But, uh, uh, but I have witnessed some crazy stuff, you know. And I think w- one time on your show I talked about that one house in Citrus Heights where I heard the little girl giggling. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, made me that. a believer. And that's when yeah. I put my head down where I was listening to the giggle. And I heard that giggle again. I said, hello. And she goes, hello. So that made me a total believer. So, mm-hmm. But I've never seen cabinets opening, uh, dishes falling out. But I did go to this one house in uh, Fort Bragg, California. In fact, uh, my ghost story did a documentary on it where as soon as I walked in, I said, I'm going to bless this house. And one of the chandeliers in the kitchen came crashing down. As soon oh, as wow. I said that, yeah, it came crashing down. And when I blessed the house and I was sending the entity out the front door, you can actually feel a huge cold breeze go right past me. So, yeah, that was, that was amazing. But I got to tell you something, Angel. There was something very incredible that happened to me and my wife. Mm. And uh, 
and I'll, let me tell you the story. Please. Um, do we have enough time to tell the story before commercial break? Oh, yeah, yeah, you got plenty of time. Go for it. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyway, um, I had five incidents. Well, my wife, uh, I don't know if you know this, but as a child in Auburn, California, she mm-hmm. wrote an article called The Mysterious Eye. That's what she called it. Uh, when she was a small child, she was actually abducted. And she actually, her stepmother is a doctor, and she had um, a couple of implants in which her doctor mother actually took out of her. Oh, wow. And two of those implants, yeah, two of the implants were on her leg. Oh, and I think she had one more, too, by her ear. So she had, I think, like three implants. So anyway. No, so she kept she, those, uh, or has she... Yes, in no, testing. No. no, that that was at that time it wasn't a big thing, you know. The uh, her doctor stepmother was like, okay, well, this was in you. I don't know what it is. Blah blah blah, <laughs> you know, and threw it in the bio waste, you know. So, oh man, um, little did they know. <laughs> yeah, little did they know. Yeah. yeah, you know it's funny you mentioned so, that because I have in my face, and I'm not even kidding, on my uh, right side of my face, and my cheek, since I was about uh, ten or eleven, I have a small little piece of metal that nobody can explain how it's in there, um, and I, you know, my first uh, experience dealing with anything paranormal, ufology based or anything like that was around that age, and uh, they actually told me when I was uh, about twelve or thirteen that I could have it removed. But it will make a scar on, the, on my face because it's right in, in the middle of the cheek. And uh, I just said, you know what, just leave it. And it's still there. I've been thinking about getting it checked just to see, you know, wow. what kind of metal it is. I've never removed it. I haven't really spoken about it on air. But it's funny because I've always equated the two to be kind of, uh, you know, hand in hand when it comes to paranormal ufology. I think a lot of ghostly activity. Um, you know, there's residue. Some of it might be related to maybe UFOs or aliens or something like that. Um, you know, we've talked in length about both topics, and uh, I think there's a correlation or a connection there. Uh, recently, I've been watching documentaries where they're saying, well, there's a, a good chance that a lot of the lore of demons and poltergeists are just people, uh, you know, seeing maybe things from another dimension, another multiverse, but they're actually seeing, you know, physical beings, not spiritual beings. And it's just kind of like the veil is dropping between worlds. Um, do you think that's at all possible with your investigations, what you've seen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely believe, I like shadow people, I believe are interdimensional type beings. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> and also, too, a demon if you believe in fallen angels, if it was a fallen angel, that tells me it came from above. It came from right. the heavens. It means, so that must mean that they're extraterrestrial. Correct. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I definitely believe that. So. And yeah, w- you, yeah, we're, we're, know, we're in I agreement have, on that, by the way. And, and it's funny because I, I talk about that on the show here at length where I even had a conversation once with a very religious person. I told him, um, you're religious, I'm agnostic. And uh, just to, to clear the air, I told him, I was like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have your beliefs, I have mine, but one thing we have to agree on, no matter what you believe in, 
God doesn't exist on this planet. God doesn't live on this planet. Angels don't live on this planet. They all came from outside. No matter how you cut it, whatever way you want to cut that pie, they're, they're extraterrestrials. They're not from here. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, exactly. I don't care what yeah, God you God. pray to. It doesn't matter. They don't live yeah, on Earth. I I really peeved off my my priest back in the 80s because I said, <laughs> Me hey, too. God, <laughs> yeah. I told him, I said, if God's from the heavens, if he's from above there, that's what you're saying, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, he wasn't born on Earth, right? Yeah, he wasn't born on Earth. That makes him an extra trust role. And that kind of upset my priest. But then he looked at me finally and goes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I guess he's an extra trust role. And I go, okay. But he goes, well, don't look at him that way. He's God. Go, okay, whatever. Whatever. Okay. Now we just get into semantics. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I gotta tell you what, what happened with Dion. And I gotta, yep. you know, you're talking about this piece of metal in you. I have, I just have to say this real quick. I have mm-hmm. a, a pencil lead stuck in my left leg. And how I got that was in fourth grade, I pulled this girl's hair named Susan McCormick. I pulled her hair and she took pencil and hit my leg real hard, and to this mm. very day, I still have that lead pencil stuck in my leg. And it's that not can't be good. Uh-huh. <laughs> that can't be good. I mean, yeah. if you're fighting Superman, that might come in handy, but other than that... <laughs> yeah. You can have a little yeah, piece so of kryptonite yeah, in there, and whoever see it. So I was telling you about Diana. Okay, so, where was I... Like, uh, five things that happened with her. Okay, and I, I actually witnessed this while being with her. Okay. And the main one, the main one is, uh, in Elk Grove, we're going down the road, and Deanna looks at me, she goes, pull in the, pull into this parking lot. I go, why? Just go ahead and just pull into the parking lot. She goes, don't ask me why, just do it. And I said, okay. So she goes, stop the car. I go, okay, I stopped the car. She goes, I can feel something in the sky. It's right there close to the moon. And I said, I don't see nothing. She goes, I don't see nothing either, but I know it's there. And she takes her camera, she snaps the photo, and there's three glowing discs in B formation in the sky. I go, oh, my God, how did you know that? She goes, I just felt it. And so, anyway, I submitted the photo to MUFON, and the ufologists over there were not able to dispute it. And then mm, interesting. Um, one day we're sitting in Barnes & Nobles, and I happened to pick up one of my favorite magazines, which is 14 Times. And yep. I'm, like, looking at it, and I go, oh, my God. She goes, what? I said, the photo... Your photo of those UFOs is in 14 times. They wrote a full-on article about her. I said, oh, my God, that's amazing. And no one was able to dispute the photo. And then another time, we're in Copperopolis, and she again, she found something in the sky. She snaps the photo. You couldn't see it with your eyes. She snaps the photo, and in the sky... Is a black, uh, what looks like a portal in the sky. 
and we have that photo, and nobody knows what it is. Oh, wow. And then another time, it was over at uh, Bodega Bay, and she, again, she felt something in the night sky. She looks up, and what we see is what looks like a rocket ship with flame in the very end of it. So mm. that could have been something military, but she still picked up on it. That was kind of weird. And then we did a UFO. But it was, phys- it, was something fi- it was something physical that you could, you know, multiple people saw, so that... Is a little bit yeah. uh, that's a little bit more you know harder to uh, just explain away. Yeah, yeah, and oh yeah, in Sacramento, North Sacramento near Arena Boulevard, Natoma, uh-huh. she tell she tells me she goes, Paul, she goes, look to your right, and I go, why? I, I, and I'm trying to concentrate on the freeway, I five going north, and she goes, look to your right because there's a. Um, a black cube in the sky. I go, what? She goes, yeah, there's a black cube. I go, no, there's not. She goes, will you take a look? And I I had to look really fast. The traffic was heavy. I looked really fast, and sure enough, there was a black cube in the sky. But we didn't have our cameras with us, so she couldn't snap a photo. And then um, another thing that she did, we went to this guy, reported seen a bunch of UFOs coming out of Beale Air Force Base, mm-hmm. and he lived in Grass Valley. Mm-hmm. So Deanna and myself and the whole team, we went to Grass Valley to do this UFO hunt. And she was 200 yards away from me with her own team, and I had my own team, 200 yards away from me. And we're watching the sky, and all of a sudden this, what we see, what we think is a UFO, it powers up, and then it goes dim. And we can hear all these people screaming where Deanna's at. And so when they came back up the hill, I go, why were you guys screaming? They said, well, did you see that thing that was powering up? And I go, yeah, and then it turned dim. And she goes, well, Deanna was meditating with crystals. And she goes, if you're a UFO, please power up. And when she said that, that thing powered up. I go, holy cow. So she has has this connection to UFOs ever since, you know, her abduction. And I even wrote an article of her psychic ability to uncloak UFOs because that's what it seems like she does is uncloaked UFOs. Because you, she can she's, not, she's a magnet for, for UFOs then, in, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. She is definitely a magnet. So, yeah, and um, we were supposed to have a UFO hunt this Saturday in Placerville. And mm. uh, Bill Burns, which who you know, you oh, know yeah. Nancy Burns and you know of Bill course. Burns. Bill yeah, and Bill Burns, he claims that the area where Placerville is mm-hmm. is the golden triangle for UFO activity. And the mm-hmm. reason why is because of the gold. They're attracted to the gold. Correct. So um, we were supposed to do a UFO hunt this Saturday over there, and things kind of fell through because so many people had things going on. My child's sick, this and that, this and that. 
I said, well, we don't have enough people, so I just canceled it. But oh, man, we'll if, you told me, if, if you would have told me earlier, I, I would have joined you. I'm uh, not uh, <laughs> working right now. I would have taken the, the whole crew out there. would have made a, a week out of it. Are you kidding me? We're bored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you should have let me know oh, into yeah. these things, man. I'm back in the game, baby. You should let me know when you're going to do some of these things. Oh, yeah. I will. Angel, I will. Let's see if you fly out here. Yeah, that'll be nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm actually, uh, I just bought an RV recently, and uh, part of the plan is to go out on the road and, uh, and uh, do a lot of remote stuff, you know, for the show, for the uh, podcast, and live on web. For YouTube, that's another thing I'm going to be tackling big time in the next, uh, you know, few months. And uh, funny, you, you know, we we brought up uh, Trump earlier and and the Cube UFO. You bring that up now. I've seen a lot of stuff on YouTube about uh, you know UFOs that are cube shaped near the sun, and it almost looks like it's draining energy from the sun. I wonder if that's related. And also, I want to ask you. Um, you can answer both at your own length. Um, Donald Trump recently announced the Space Force, and uh, you know they're te- they're taking this very serious. And of course, John Trump, his uncle, was uh, there when uh, Tesla passed away. He collected a lot of the uh, paperwork and went through the documents that Tesla had left behind. And this is remember right before Roswell happened. Now, anybody who who listened to the last show. Uh, where me and Tim Schwartz were uh, talking about this. You, uh, you know, my assessment is that Roswell was not so much ETs, but our own craft that we kind of like engineered based on Tesla, Nazi, and other technologies that we inherited, you know, once we inherited the uh, soldiers and the scientists from Nazi Germany that came along, like Werner von Braun, who, by all means, I mean, he gave us NASA, right? And, um, you know, a lot of these folks that came over worked on black budget stuff and all that. Now, do you think any of that, of that is related? Uh, but I've definitely heard a lot of about black cube UFOs. And Donald, Tr- Donald Trump, ironically enough, is a sitting president, and he announces a space force. Coincidence? What do you think? Well, I I believe... They know something. I mean, he's president of the United States. Well, I, yeah. I definitely, I definitely believe. And when I was in military intelligence in the army, um, one of the guys was really in tune with the UFO stuff, and he was telling me that Eisenhower knew about UFOs, uh, Kennedy, John F. Kennedy knew about UFOs. Um, Nixon knew about UFOs, and Nixon, later on, I was reading that Nixon took uh, um, uh, Jackie Gleason to a site where they had um, alien bodies, so, um, Mm -hmm. and it actually showed Jackie Gleason. Yeah, I've heard that. You know what's what's funny about that, uh, Paul? uh, Notice the names you dropped there, Nixon, right? Trump, Mm -hmm. Nixon, follow along here. Uh, who's uh, had threats of impeachment and who were, you know, killed uh, for being allegedly connected to the UFO conspiracy or, or you know, perhaps, uh, you know, threatening to put out documents on the subject. Kennedy uh, was interested. Nixon was interested. 
Uh, Carter was interested. Carter w- was a one-term president, and uh, he's lucky to be alive because he was very interested in the in the subject. And uh, you know, and Clinton, he, yeah, Clinton was interested. Clinton was interested, of course, and uh, he went through an impeachment uh, shortly after he declared how interested he really was. Uh, but of course, that impeachment happened because of uh, little Clinton got all over somebody's dress. That's, uh, you know, his fault and his fault alone. Uh, but the fact is, every president who's been interested in the subject and expressed it publicly has been kind of uh, either killed, impeached, uh, ashamed publicly. You had a uh, candidate in one of the elections recently. I think it was uh, either when Obama ran. I can't remember exactly, but I think it was uh, during Obama's uh, second term. Uh, who was asked uh, about his uh, sighting, and uh, he was actually doing well in the polls. As soon as he you know, opened up, he was completely done. Like his his presidency campaign was over. Uh, now it's a little bit uh, you know more open. We're talking about a little bit more uh, with the president. With the president saying that we have a space force coming up, and saying he believes. What, you know, his people are telling him, even though he's not 100%, uh, you know, sold to their aliens, but you know, with him just saying that much that he's been briefed and he believes what he's being told by our own people, that's kind of like the beginning of self-disclosure, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting very, very close to disclosure. Yeah. I, I think it's it's really... And not only that, you have all these private corporations now that are talking about sending people into outer space and sending mm-hmm. them to the moon and colonizing the moon. And when you start doing that and you have private corporations, certain things are going to get revealed. Hey, we're seeing artifacts on the moon. We're finding artifacts on Mars, you know. Yep. So that must tell us that there's extraterrestrials have been around for Thousands and thousands of years, you know. Millions well, longer, longer than that. So. I mean, if they could travel here, say, for, uh, you know, light years away, I mean, that, that technology has to be something that's been around for a very long time to be able to develop that kind of travel. And, and now, it, you know, like a, a regular way of travel is very linear, but to be able to get from light year to light year, you have to bend space and time. So, I mean, we're talking about highly advanced races that are coming here, if they're coming from outside our, our, you know, our star system or our galaxy, they have to be maybe millions of years or hundreds of thousands of years more advanced than us, uh, which begs, of course, the question, why would they be interested in, in us? It's like us going to the backyard and kicking up some ants and being like, hey, uh, take us to your queen, we want to uh, go have a powwow. Kind of similar to that, in a sense. Uh, but again, when you start developing nuclear technology and you start heading into outer uh, space, no matter what kind of race you are, if you're out there, you're going to be like, well, uh, let's go see what these monkeys are doing on this little uh, globe and see why they're sending nuclear stuff out here. Um, so that could be part of the, of the reason. Maybe they just, you know, they're keeping an eye on us like guardians. Huh? Oh, yeah. Big brother. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on, Angel. <laughs> a lot of things going on. I think that we're getting very, very close where we're going to know everything that's been happening and all the secrets that the government keeps from us. I mean, I experienced it when I was in military intelligence. When that one particular day came in, <clears throat> and six photographs came in of 
uh, six variety of type of UFOs. One was cigar shaped, one was disc shaped, one was globe shaped, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And each photo represented a video that was taken in outer space by our, our reconnaissance satellite photographs. And my job was just merely give it a number. So I, I would give the photo a number. And on the back of each photo, it said intelligent movement. And those photos went to the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, and then went to the CIA, and then from there into the black hole, because I don't know what happened to them after that. But oh, wow. uh, I know at that time, that was 1981, and I was stationed at the Photo Interpretation Center in Korea, I know at that very moment that even though Project Blue Book shut down its doors, the military, especially military intelligence, was still investigating UFOs. And so right there at that moment in time, just like when I was at that house of citrus ice and I heard that girl giggling, I was a believer of ghosts. At that particular time in Korea, when I saw those photographs, I knew at that moment in time that we were not alone. I I suspect that uh, not only are we not alone, I think they've been uh, here the whole time. I really do. Um, oh, yeah. Doesn't sh- that doesn't shock me. I think a lot of our history uh, was not uh, by coincidence. I think a lot of it has been kind of steered and geared in some areas uh, until we were ready for, you know, the the overall picture, because, I mean, if you look back through our history, and Paul, you, you'll understand this better than anybody with your history, uh, if you go back, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years, the term alien, UFOs, that's alien to, to everybody on the planet. They would never know what that means. So you would have, you know, people call them gods and goddesses, but I really do believe it's all the same thing, the Anunnaki, all that stuff. Uh, you know, it all deals with kind of, you know, beings from other worlds. Now, whether there's a big G, which, you know, a lot of people do believe there's a big God that created the entire spectrum of space and time, that's uh, still to be uh, looked on and uh, discovered. And we only one way to do that, and that's by dying. That's the only way that we could uh, really discover there's a big God out there. Uh, one, you know, thing that I wanted to share with you, Paul, before, uh, you know, we let you go for the evening, and uh, there's something that I really want you one day to come down to Florida for. Uh, when I first moved out here back in the 80s, um, late 80s, from California, uh, one of my uh, sightings was in California. I had another one here in Florida, which is ironically enough, uh, two different states. You know, had two sightings. But the house that we moved in out here was haunted, and it's still there. It's actually about an hour and a half from where I live now, where I'm staying now. And I worked near that uh, that neighborhood a few years ago. And I would pass by it often just uh, to see, you know, if it looked the same. And still a big yellow house. Uh, it used to be a funeral home back in the 60s and 70s. They converted it into a duplex home, and we moved in in the middle, late 80s. And uh, a block away, well, actually, I'm sorry, the funeral home that actually had the funerals was in the uh, main house, which is where we moved into. But the back house 
was uh, also in sanctuary uh, where they would burn bodies and cremate them and stuff. Uh, but a block away they actually had where they would prepare uh, for the families to see the bodies and, you know, have their actual funeral. And they would transport the body to where we moved in, where the family would be able to spend more time with them until they were ready to either take them to the cemetery or be uh, cremated. And um, we lived in the main house for a few months, and we moved out because it was very, very active. And the place is still there. I've, always, I, you know, I've often wanted to go in and uh, see who's living there. And maybe spend a couple hours see if they've had any activity because it's been a long time. But I would love to have you guys come out and investigate that place because I saw things as a kid that I cannot explain. My uh, family would is actually on record on video talking about this on random conversations. So it's not like it was something prepared or on a show or anything like that. Just family conversation that was brought up and they all started talking about it. Uh, my brother, uh, like I said, was there, uh, mother, father, the, the whole nine yards, they all experienced it, and uh, it was very scary, very, very scary living there, and uh, I mean, are you going to be down in the South Florida area anytime soon? You know, my sister actually lives in Florida, she lives at Port Orange, okay. I don't know if you know that where that's at. No idea. But, uh, I'm in the Miami area. That's where this is located. Huh. Miami Hialeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna, going to Florida anytime soon, but if I do, I'll definitely remember this story. And what's the name of this place? Well, it's just a regular house now, but it used to be a funeral uh-huh. home back in, in the 60s, uh, early to mid-70s, 50s, 60s, 70s. It was a, a, oh, okay. like a secondary funeral home. They had the, the main church funeral, which was like a block away, and then the families would be allowed to spend more time with the uh, the body at the at the secondary place. So they would keep the body overnight before the main funeral, right. and then they would keep it there in case they had the uh, actual burial the next day, or if they were going to do it that day or that night. They would take you know the body from there to wherever they were burying the body or they were cremating the body. There was actually a, a second home which is unattached, so there's a duplex now in the main house. But right next to it is a second uh, building, which is a smaller house, which is not attached to the duplex, and they would cremate the bodies there. And wow. that, yeah, that place, when we were moving in, uh, it was very funny, and I'll never forget this, even though I was a kid. We're moving in, the neighbors from that one, which is not connected to ours, was moving out. And we're literally moving our furniture in, and Paul, they're moving their furniture out. And we're like, well, why are you guys leaving? You have a, a great-looking you know, apartment, but it's beautiful. And the rental is like 300 bucks a month. It's very cheap. And we're talking about a big place. And they're like, oh, you'll see. And they just scurried out of there. I mean, they didn't say anything else. They just, you know, hauled ass and left uh, without saying anything else. And uh, I, I, thought, I always found that to be kind of funny because they didn't warn us. Uh, they just told us, you'll see, and they just left. And sure enough, about a week or two later, stuff started moving around. It got really scary. My brother, when I was getting beat up uh, while he, he was sleeping and screaming, and I, I ran from uh, my room, which was right next to his room, turned on the lights, and I saw, like, sheets that were, like, pinning him down, lift, 
and he just like jumped out of bed and ran out of there. And uh, that happened once. I saw keys would slide from uh, at one end of the table to another. Uh, we had all kind of stuff happening. My brother, for a while, refused to stay there. And again, it only lasted a few months before we skedaddled our way out of there also. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to set up something there and have you guys come out and investigate it. I think that might be uh, something that you might want to look into. It might still have some uh, activity, you know what I mean? Because, again, to be a funeral home for that long, have that many bodies go there, you know, through there, I'm sure there has to be something, you know, left there. Maybe not oh, as yeah, violent. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a real winner there. <laughs> I would love to investigate that, yeah. Paul, listen, uh, it's been awesome having you on the show. I know we got to run. Uh, give the audience a way to get in contact with you and then hear you in the future. Any website address you want to give out to the audience, please feel free oh, sure, to do so. Sure. sure. Uh, well, one thing is if you're trying to find me, I'm easier to find if you Google Paul Dale Roberts. Paul Dale Roberts. Or you can just go to our website at www dot cryptic nine one six dot com. But I'm easier to find just by Googling my name. You can con all my contact information is out on the web. Mm-hmm. Paul Dale Robertson. You'll see some of my stories. I work for Costa Rica Times and the stories are out there. And he doesn't look Roman. Just remember that everybody. Yeah, I'm a Roman Catholic, okay? <laughs> there you go. Paul, I love you, man. You're great. Uh, say hi to the missus, and uh, we're going to have you back out soon. You're the best. Thank you, Angel. I love you too, man. Take care, brother. Okay. We're going to be right back with Mindy Indy. Everybody sit back, relax, and uh, check out the Vios Brothers Band with Ignition. All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head. And that was Paul Dale Roberts during the first hour. A great individual. We didn't get much to his comic book you know, history, but uh, we've talked about it in length here on the show. Again, if you guys want to check out the podcast with him, uh, this one uh, for the first hour and the ones we've done before, go to angelespino.com. They're all on there. You're going to love uh, hearing his uh, life story. Very, very interesting fella. But now we're going to a very, very interesting uh, lady and uh, somebody who has a big campaign on Kickstarter that we're going to talk about. She was, uh, it, she's straight out of Brooklyn, so you know she's uh, a Brooklyn tough, you know, tough cookie. <laughs> she's a cartoonist. Uh, she's been professionally creating art since uh, 2010. And that's a good nine years. Welcome to the show, Mindy Indy. I'm so excited to have you on here, and it's a, a pleasure to be able to help you with your Kickstarter account. Thank you for being here with us and spending some time on the show with me. Oh, thank you so much, Angel. Oh, what a wonderful intro. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. It's it's great to be here. You know, as soon as Don and shout out to Don Smith, a good friend of both of ours, uh, told me, uh, Angel, you gotta check out, uh, you know, her work. It's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, check out the Kickstarter account. And I saw it and I was like, she is really cool on video, man. She should have like a <laughs> video show. Uh, you know, it's, the editing was, was great. Uh, and I can imagine, you know, the actual work you're gonna put, be putting out there and you've put out there. 
uh, being as equally as professional and, and as cool. Uh, tell the audience who might not know or be aware of your, you know, your last 10 years, uh, from my show and listening in on podcasts later. Tell them about you. I want, I want you to, to you know, sell yourself before okay, we get into the great. Kickstarter. Okay, cool. Thank you. So, um, so I, I'm Mindy Indy and I am originally from Michigan. And uh, I moved here to Brooklyn in 2010 to mm-hmm. pursue cartooning more and, uh, you know, more professionally. Because before, it's like I went to college in Michigan and I was a graphic designer and animator in Michigan. But, yeah, I, I wanted to pursue cartooning and comics more fully. And so I knew that New York was a great place to do that. And so uh, I moved here. And, I mean, so much. I mean, I've freelanced full time off and on. I mean, like sometimes I've had just like part-time jobs at art supply store here and there, or as like teacher teaching comics, but you know, it's really a conglomeration of many different projects together. I started off volunteering at the museum of comic and cartoon arts, um, which eventually I taught comics there to kids and, uh, uh, through connections there, I worked uh, for Marvel as Kyle Baker's assistant on Deadpool Max. So, nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was um, I was a colorist, and so we did that for like a year. It was it was like the best gig uh, I've had because it's. Uh, oh, I can I mean, imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of an understatement, but um. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> But, you know, um, I've also done other coloring work since then uh, for paper cuts. Uh, that's paper cuts with a Z at the end. And uh, I colored Power Rangers. Now, that was before they were bought by Boom. So Boom has been doing Power Rangers comics uh, for a while now. But before that, I, I colored the Rangers comics um, for paper cuts. And then, gosh, I mean, I taught at Harlem Children's Zone uh, for two years teaching comics and just trying to think of everything. Oh yes. So I draw a weekly comic. Well now it's bi-weekly, but it was weekly for like six years. Um, Oh wow. Yeah. For the dysautonomia foundation. And so, uh, uh, it's for familial dysautonomia and that is a very rare disease actually. So it's called FD for short. And so the comic, you know, it's, It's taken uh, various focuses, you know, over the years. Uh, It's called No Tears, Life with FD, uh, which features characters and the the daily things that they have to go through in their lives and, you know, their families and friends. And uh, but, you know, we want to keep it positive, you know, uplifting. Mm -hmm. Recently, we kind of like branched off. And um, we call we have like a secondary comic of it. It's called um, FD Heroes IRL, which IRL means in real life for those who don't know. I know that not everyone <laughs> knows all the shorthand versions. Right. Them. Yeah. Some people still ask, some people still ask me, and Mindy, you laugh. They'll be like, "What's LOL mean?" I'm like, oh "Seriously." Really? Wow. Internet's been around for 20, 30 years. If Al Gore tells you about 40 years, and you still you ask him about LOL? That was one of the first, like, online things. Like, I remember right. using LOL when I still had, like, what was it, AOL chat or 
whatever back in the 90s <laughs> i know when people ask me that yeah. now i'm like it, it means uh lord of lunatics i mean somebody just told you you're a lunatic how can you not know what lol means at this point seriously yeah. got you out of your mind <laughs> no but yeah, yeah, I, so, um, now, let me ask you um what initially sparked your interest in working with kids in comics? So that's going to be challenging. Uh, kids in itself, in any aspect, working with kids is is challenging. But uh, dealing with comics, and what age group are you working with? Yeah, so it was a variety. Like when I started at um, uh, MOCA, Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art, uh-huh. yeah, it was a variety of ages. Um Oh, gosh, I'm, you know, grade school and up. Uh, and then when I was uh, teaching at Harlem Children's Zone, I taught mainly high school and middle school. But then the last semester I was there, um, I got elementary students. And, uh, yeah, they're they're just so excited. They're, they're really into it, you know, the, especially the little kids, you know, that like uh, second and third grade, like they got so much energy. And even though, you know, their their drawing skills, you know, the, you know, we're pretty much learning the basics, and you know, you got to improve. But the uh, the general excitement and passion for drawing characters and telling stories is there. Yeah, mm. and um, I mean, yeah, sometimes it is challenging. Like uh, the <laughs> the other side of the excitement is that, like, you know, you got to settle down sometimes. You know, they uh, <laughs> you might have a hard time uh, getting them to, like, settle down, but... <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it but it's got to be rewarding, though, when you, when you have that kid who pays attention and really, uh, you know, latches on to what you're trying to teach them, and, and you see the the fruit of you being, you know, a teacher and, and seeing what they can put forth. That's got to be re- rewarding in itself. I mean, uh, is teaching something that you, you might go back into eventually? Yeah, yeah, and it definitely is rewarding. Yes. Um and yeah, I can I could always do it like off off and on like on the side. Like I feel like yes, that is something that I could always go back to. Um for right now, I do want to focus on uh creating my own comics. Uh at least at least for right now, it's something I've been doing on the side for a really long time. But yes, definitely. I mean, I don't know if I would be a full-time teacher, but it's, it's something that I'm good at because not all artists mm-hmm. make good teachers because you, you not only have to have the art skills, but you need to be communicative, like very good right. communication skills. You need to be patient as well. And have passion for what you're doing, which is, you know, goes right along with it. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really cool. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I would have loved to have uh, a class uh, for comic books and that kind of artwork. And I never had, I discovered it on my own. Nowadays, it's great because, uh, kids, you know, have the internet and they have, uh, you know, yeah. all kinds of ways to read comics, uh, where they could buy it online. They could, you know, still buy it in stores, Amazon, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many stores, sadly enough, you know, and that's the, the, the saddest mm-hmm. part of it. Yeah. Now, you are going indie on this, uh, which, Mindy Indie, perfect, uh, yes. <laughs> perfect title. <laughs> uh, and let's get to what you're currently working on now. Uh, Airheads, that's, uh, that's what it's called, right? Airheads? Yeah, yes. Airheads spelled okay. A-E-R. Head, yeah. There you go. 
and go inside the jackal's head. Would go figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's funny. Yeah. And I've often been called an airhead. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm bald now, but Mindy, I'm telling you, at one point I had, a, I had hair. People were like, were you born oh. blonde? And I'm like, I was. <laughs> Ironically, I was a blonde baby who had his hair turned black, and then it just went away. Yeah, I don't Go know figure. why it does that. Why Why does your hair change colors over time? Because, like, I yeah, that happens. <laughs> it's the thing. I, I have no idea why. I, I still say God has a funny sense of humor. He just he looks at me and he's like, "Yeah, let's make him blind and bald." <laughs> in Cuban, just to, to you know, the final nail in the coffin. Cuban, blind and bald. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what we, uh, you know, we each have our own our own plan. Yeah, yeah, God has yes. his own plan for us. Yeah. Whatever God you, I'm just you know joking. Whatever God you know you uh, believe in, and they all looked the same to me, and they all looked at me and said, "Yeah, that's the bald guy uh, <laughs> from Blonde Bald." But forget about me. Now let's talk about the comic. What's the, the, the comic about in there? And when we get to the Kickstarter, I want you to give out the uh, links for that also, and tell the audience uh, about this comic, please. Okay. Yes. So Airhead is a sci-fi comedy comic. And uh, it's about a teen surfer and lifeguard named Ariel Zephyr, who's called Air for short. And uh, he can see the future in his dreams, but only sometimes. Like, he doesn't have full control of it. Uh, But one night, he predicts that a solar flare is going to wipe out the Earth. But he uses his lifeguard skills to go around and try to warn people and save people. Yeah, it it ends on a, a cliffhanger. So it's very action-packed. Now, would you get a surfer guy if there's ever who's been into a movie and then have him run around and be like, the, the, we're about to <laughs> die. Come on, dudes. Get in the back of the of the truck. Come on, everybody out of the ocean. I mean, you could have somebody with like a Keanu Reeves early 90s accent. <laughs> That's kind of what I figured this would become. Like, uh-huh. Neo meets Baywatch. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's funny because <laughs> I, at, when I was first thinking of, like, the log line, I was like, oh, could it be, like, X-Men meets Baywatch? But uh, I decided See? on Blue Crush because, I, I mean, it's, I mean, I feel like more people know Baywatch. But yeah. a friend reminded me that it's like, yeah, Baywatch is mostly, like, women in bikinis running around and their boobs going all over. Show. And I'm like, you know what? Yep. Airhead um, there are bikinis in it, but it's not bikini focused. So I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want that's you know, there are beach scenes. Yes, there are surfing scenes, but it's not like, you know, and he's, he's a lifeguard. So like Baywatch is the lifeguard tie in. Yes. Right there. So, but yeah, uh, yeah Blue, Blue Crush has more of like the love interest, you know, mm-hmm. and Airhead definitely has that. So that's, uh. I feel like it's more like that than like Baywatch. <laughs> no, the story is interesting. Are you planning to maybe uh, shop around and try to get maybe like a feature film deal out of it? It's a cool uh, idea. Oh uh, well, well, thank you. Well, you know the thing is, that's kind of putting the cart before the horse. Like I'm still Correct. working on the the first comic. This is for issue number one, and I see this being multi issues. Maybe eight issues, possibly ten. Uh, and certainly, like, a lot of movies are looking to comics 
these right. days, you know, oh, yeah. and for the past, you know, a couple of years, you know, they've been blockbuster like Marvel and DC movies like left and right. And even mm-hmm. like independent comics too, like some of them, like Watchmen was uh, originally a graphic novel and, uh, and they're actually at comic con, they were promoting Watchmen. Like a, it's going to be a show now, like yep. a series. Yep. Yes. So, and that was an indie an indie graphic novel, so correct. Yeah. I can definitely see it as a movie. Um, I, I mean, I would also like it to be like an animation, like Avatar: mm. The Last Airbender. Are you familiar with that? Of course, I'm yeah. actually a huge fan of the series, and actually, I enjoyed the the movie. I, I'm one of the few people I think that oh. actually sat down and mm. watched the M Night Shyamalan movie and and came away with it saying. You know what? It wasn't as bad as everybody was saying. Oh. <laughs> uh, once you get past, you know, the uh, social justice warriors and all the people who hate on everything now on the internet, once you move past the hatred and just sit there and say, okay, yeah, you know, wow me with the special effects and see what's going on. It's not a bad movie. It's not great, but it's, it's, oh. like, I found that to be a, a pretty decent adaptation to the, to the actual. Uh, original cartoon. Uh, what were your thoughts? Did you like the movie or do you kind of iffy um, So, like, actually, I don't see every movie that comes out in the cut. Like, that, that is one that I hadn't seen. And, yeah, it was because, ah. like, I heard it wasn't good. But maybe I'll give it another chance now. I like doing that because I don't like going by, you know, word of mouth. or Because yeah. everybody has an opinion. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I often found myself liking movies that other people hate, and then I find mm-hmm. myself hating movies that you know other people love. So mm-hmm. it's you know everybody has like their own way of of viewing things. For example, I'm a huge fan of the, uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Oh. There are actually people who hate that trilogy, and I'm like, are you serious? Oh. But those those ones were really good. Yeah, I, you I know think that most like, people would agree that most. That they're good, yeah. But there's a faction of people that despise them, and I'm like, you're insane! Mm. How can you hate those movies? Um, I'm a huge Blade fan. Um, mm. The you know, the Blade trilogy uh, that's really to me what inspired. If you, if you actually look at the the history of the comic book movies, after Batman and Robin came out in the '90s, there was mm. kind of like a, a real like hatred of the genre and film. Where other mm-hmm. movies were just not making uh, any any bank, uh, Spawned failed. Uh, uh, Bat- remember that Batman and Robin failed. Heck, Meteor mm-hmm. Man failed. Nobody remembers that. I don't. Uh, I don't even know in, what that is. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, uh, the second. Uh, and I'm talking about it. It's funny because everybody's like, "Oh, Black Panther is the first black superhero." No, the I just named three black action mm-hmm. superheroes: Spawn, Meteor Man, which is a comedy superhero. And Blade, right? Yeah. All three came out in the 90s. Blade was the actual one that inspired later X-Men and all the other movies that came out right after. And because mm-hmm. of the success of Blade, it was, you know, because of that, you were able to get X-Men and the X-Men universe because it kind of reopened those doors after Batman and Robin shut them down. I mean, that us mm-hmm. fans... That they were never going to make another comic book movie after that. Oh my gosh. And here came Blade and it saved the day. Now they're introducing Blade to the MCU and all that jazz, which is great. Different actor planning, which sucks. But, oh. you know, at least you're, you're getting Blade back in there and out there. 
which is phenomenal. But no, you're right. Right now, it's like that, the 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 stove is burning for like mm-hmm. these movies. It's so hot right now. Like <laughs> they brought Star Wars to Disney, and everybody's like, "Oh, Star Wars is going to destroy everything." Well, if you what? look at what's going on, Marvel is like kicking everybody's butt right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're definitely popular. All yeah, all all the movies. I still haven't seen like every single like superhero movie. Like it's on my it's on my to do list, but it's, it's like, in your bucket either. list. It's in your bucket list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and y- you know this. I, I was telling Don this. It's like I, as a creator, you know, that's it's not my first priority to see every movie that's out. And but then I feel right. stupid if. People ask me about it, and I don't know what it is. But it's like I can look it up. Like if someone wants a request drawn of a character, which was I uh, I usually do that at comic conventions, I can draw that character. I could I could look it up, look up you know a little bit of it, and I can draw them as that character, and that's fine. So it's like I can still do my job without seeing every movie. You know what I mean? Yep. Now let's get to the the, the, the Kickstarter account because uh, this is going to help fund uh, the, the the comic uh, you know coming out, and I really want to make sure that the audience uh, knows where to find this. Uh, how can they locate it on Kickstarter? Do you have a, a main website you're going to be posting this on, or is it right now just directly focused to the Kickstarter? Yeah. So um, if you um, just Google Kickstarter, or if you go to kickstarter.com, it has its own search function, and then you can look for either Airhead, spelled A-E-R, mm-hmm. head, or um, search for Mindy Indy, that's M-I-N-D-Y, and then I-N-D-Y. So usually indie, like indie comics, it's spelled with I-E, but I spell it with Y. Um, and then, yeah, it, it'll pop up. You should see it. Um, yeah, and, and so that's that's mainly the website that I'm using. Um, from my Patreon, I have been doing some posts that – there are some public posts that link to the Kickstarter. Um, the the URL itself is, like, really long, so it's, like, kickstarter.com slash – Projects slash midi indie slash air dash head like and a bunch of like all this other stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to like type all that in, but um you know on any on any of my social medias like on my Instagram which is mindy indie underscore art, mm-hmm. uh, you can find me uh, in the bio link. So you know Instagram it has one like link in your bio. And so that, if you click that, then that'll take you to the Kickstarter for Twitter. Um, same thing. It's it's also linked in the bio. Um, although for Twitter, you can have links in actual posts, whereas Instagram, you can't. So, like, look up any Twitter post and you'll, you'll probably find the Kickstarter link. So uh, for uh, Twitter, I am Mindy underscore Indie. And then on Facebook, my Mindy Indie page you can find by searching the Facebook search for uh, Mindy Indie Comics. Yeah. And then, you know, there's MindyIndie.com, you know. But, uh, yeah, so for my website, it's a Squarespace website, and I mm-hmm. I don't have, like, 
a, I mean, I, I've blogged about it. So if you look under the blog, then in the past couple updates, I've, I've linked to the Kickstarter. I've talked about the Kickstarter in my blog. Yes. I got you. Uh, just to, you know, for everybody else who uh, wants to check it out, uh, very simple. If you guys just go to my website, also it's linked on there. So just to make it a little bit easier, um, you know, because the, the Kickstarter do have a, a very long URL. Yes. Uh, so if you have any issues that I'll find, I remember angelespina.com is going to have it linked out there for quite a long time. Uh, if uh, at least the first page for some reason, just look up the search and type in Mindy Indy, it'll pop right up. And, uh, and now you have a, a good amount of, of folks really backing your Kickstarter. Uh, until when did this, this run through? Oh, oh, come again? The, the Kickstarter is going to, uh, doesn't discontinue, right? Uh, is there like an end date or, or are you getting oh, a deadline? Yeah. Yes, yes. So it ends this Thursday, October 10th at 5 p.m. Yes. So there is, so Kickstarter says it's three days to go. So we're, we're like near midnight. Um, earlier I was like promoting like four days to go, but, um, Mm. yeah, it's, it's days are numbered basically is what what (laughs) you need to know. And uh, if, if you are interested in backing, you know, make sure to check it out ASAP. And then, like, you can select any reward, and, you know, I have a variety of interesting rewards there. And, um, yeah, make sure to back before Thursday, uh, Thursday at 5 p.m. And, yeah, like, you can get, like, a digital or physical copy of the book. And the book is 52 pages, so it's, like, a double size for a comic. So usually comics are, like, 20 pages. Um, it's full color. Um some of the higher rewards are that you can get custom art and you can get some original art like the comic pages. Yeah. So, um, so how that's different is the custom art is like, I could draw you like surfing or as a mermaid or like being chased by a shark or something like that's like a beach theme. Nice. Now I'm a bit, I'm a bit chubby. Can you make me like have abs and stuff? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? You just put the details in there, the requests, and I will make you happy. Yes. <laughs> you heard that, everybody. I'm going to have abs. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> now, uh, uh, all jokes aside, no, it looks really, really cool. I hope uh, it does uh, phenomenal. Now, I know you, uh, you went to the convention uh, today, right? You were out at a convention. Okay. Uh, how did that go? Yes, New York Comic Con. So that was ah, four days lovely. long. Oh boy. Yeah. Have you been? Have you been there? Not to New York. I've been dying mm. to get out there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. People from all over come here. But so yeah, like I usually exhibit in the artist alley at New York Comic Con, but for for the past two years I haven't gotten in into Artist Alley, but I do still get a pro pass, like just in case. And actually, you know what this year? Um it, it probably worked out better that way because when I have a table at these conventions, I'm usually kind of stressed about making the table money back because it is expensive. And I usually do that yep. through drawings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be as focused on promoting the Airhead comic, which was what I was doing like this whole time. Like what I did was, I don't know. Have you seen some of my posts that I've been posting with the Airhead hat? Like I made this hat. Mm-hmm. 
that's yes, yes. So yep, okay, yep, uh, yep. for those uh, that can't see us and <laughs> well, haven't seen the um, uh, the post, so imagine this. So I'm walking around with a regular hat, but on top of that hat, I made like a sandwich board of the cover of the comic, except I made the title bigger, Airhead. And then I put uh, the Kickstarter green K logo, and then I put back this project now, like rather large. And so I, um, I taped that to the hat and then saran wrapped it as well. And that made it stick, even though I was like moving my head around. So like, okay. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) It was so visible and you could see me above the crowd. And so what I was doing was I had some preview comics available and some flyers. And I was telling people that if they, uh, yeah, because sometimes people would ask, like, I didn't, I didn't go around like bugging people, like being like, oh, hey, you know, I, uh, if, if someone, if I saw someone looking, you know, at the airhead sign and like stopping a bit and then I would like talk to them and, uh, yeah, I would show them the preview comic and I would say that, um, so the preview comic is free if you back the Kickstarter project and I had a QR code in the comic and now that cool. uh, QR codes are like you scan it with your phone and it takes you to a website. Right. Yeah. So that was pretty effective. Um, and that, yeah, I got a few backers. Uh, someone gave me cash, which, Hey, you know what? That's still supporting. That's still good. Doesn't go towards right. the, the official Kickstarter goal, but it definitely helps to buy me lunch. So that's, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Hey, it's still very helpful, very much needed. And, uh, and yeah, yep. I was, uh, some people, uh, bought the comic and, uh, said they're on donate later. And, uh, some people just took flyers or took a picture of the flyer because I was running out of flyers. Um, but yeah, it was super fun. Like I love finding different ways to market. Like I, I think it's fun. Like I'm a people person. I like going around and talking about what I do and, you know, Sometimes, you know, at, at large conventions like these, it can be kind of, you know, overwhelming. So, you know, I, I, tr- I did choose not to go for like the whole day on the weekend. I only went for like a couple hours today and yesterday, but like Thursday and Friday was like the whole day there. And, um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely different than my normal life, which is freelancing from home, working from my desk. I mean, you know, it's just good to have that balance, you know. It it is, and you know what's good about it is you get the the instant feedback from audience. Yeah. That's always the best part. As any artist I've ever interviewed or spoken to, uh, that's one of the things they love about conventions is when they go there, they see the audience, even folks that are not familiar with their work. Just that instant feedback, it's very important for future projects. You know, especially something like yours, where this is something that you're, you know, it's a passion project, something you do Mm -hmm. personally, independently. Um, that, that's very important to get that instant feedback. And that connection, believe it or not, for independent artists out there listening in, because I've had a lot of friends in the industry, and I've been told this by a lot of them, that connection you make with, with anybody in the audience, at these conventions, especially with young kids or young people, yeah. that lasts a very long time. When they meet an artist and yeah. that artist uh, starts putting out work, 
and they start following that artist. I mean, that it's not mm-hmm. only you building a fan, but you you're building a, a culture around your work that really lasts. Like my, one of my favorite artists for a long time, and I got to meet him was mind blowing. Is Mark McKenna, and oh. um, when I met Mark McKenna, I was like giddy, like a little schoolboy. I was like, oh, Mark. Aww. <laughs> oh, uh, God bless your work, Mark. I was like, I, I was like oh. kissing his feet, and uh, he was <laughs> such a, a gentleman. I mean, this guy is a huge uh, figure in in my world of comic, you know, love. And he was so cool. He sent me out a bunch of his work and his books autographed by him. And I was like, uh-huh. I went around telling friends. I was like, Mark McKenna, look, he he, he signed. His comic books? Are you kidding me? And uh, you know, I'm a 40 year old guy now. People are looking <laughs> weird, like, uh, dude, are you serious? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It brings a child out of you, when you, you know. And they, some, some people don't yeah. get it, but yes, but no, that's the great part about this. I totally get it because it's like yeah. I I feel like a kid again when I'm drawing Airhead. Like I am, I am my true self. I am yep. like you know in 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 the video. Like if you go see the Kickstarter video. Like that's that's me like being uh, like all of my energy cylinders on high, like um, just going around and being excited about my work, feeling like a kid again. And even like a, at the launch party, too, like because I've uh, in my Kickstarter updates, I've sprinkled some of the um, like I interviewed some of my friends about why they backed my project. And like you can you can hear in my voice like I, I sound normal right now, but like I was like high on cloud nine when I was like, <laughs> a launch party. And it's like, no, I don't I don't maybe feel like that every day all the time. But I uh, whenever I'm in my element, yeah, that it is like that. It is like being a kid again and that is the magic and joy of comics and that is why i think that people need to try to follow your passion it's hard but when you do do it you feel your best self you feel like your best self and you owe it to yourself to to pursue that even when it's hard i've had i've had multiple setbacks you know it's uh it's definitely not easy being a freelancer especially no. Yeah. city but um you know hey i'm still here and i'm still creating and kicking ass on my first kickstarter you know <laughs> there you go and uh it really isn't easy i mean i've had friends uh they've you know been you know done work for marvel dc independent work and uh going independent route is always the hardest uh one of my uh friends who passed away a couple of years ago peter hernandez the third uh, was doing his, uh, uh, work independently also, and, uh, he would often tell me how hard it was, uh, to get anything out there and, uh, to get it, you know, acknowledged. So he would hit these yeah. conventions, like, very, very hard, uh, just, uh, you know, to try to see if he can get the, the buzz going. Mm-hmm. And sadly enough, he passed away and wasn't able to really get his, uh, production <laughs> to where he wanted it. Uh, if you guys want to check them out, it's called Company Man. There's a lot of stuff out there uh, with Peter Hernandez. It's a great guy. You know, rest in peace. Uh, but as an independent artist, he would tell me just how difficult it was compared to just, you know, going to one of the big two or going to, uh, to Image or something, just, you know, landing a gig. Uh, it, it, now, with the way it is today uh, and uh, the way, you know, the Internet and, and, and stuff plays a big factor in all this, it is getting a little bit easier, though, for the independent artists to put their stuff yeah. out there. 
and uh, to reach that audience. Uh, are you lining up more and more conventions in the future? Because I, that's, uh, again, an excellent way to get this out there. Oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, the next one I'm doing is Baltimore Comic Con. Yeah, that is coming right up. That's just right around the corner, actually. Um, that is cool. Friday the 18th through Sunday the 20th. Yeah, I usually do. You know, there's a lot of them, like, in the fall and the spring. Um, and then I'm doing Diversity Comic Con at FIT. So that one is, that's coming up soon as well. If you're in the New York area, FIT is uh, Fashion Institute of Technology. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, so, so those ones I'm doing, uh, in the, in the future. And, uh, yeah, and then a lot of them happen in the spring. I always do Motor City Comic Con. Um, I'm from Michigan originally, so it's nice to do one and, you know, well, in my yep. Yep, Yeah. Yep. Um, I usually do Mocha Fest, which is, nice. um, yeah, that's the, see, it's run, by, it used to be run by the Museum of Comic and Cartoon Art, which got mm-hmm. kind of absorbed by the Society of Illustrators. But they still put on the festival, but it's still called Mocha Fest. So anyway, it, the convention still exists. Uh, it's an indie comics festival. Um, yeah, and, are, you you know, bringing, are, you, are you bringing the show down to the, the South Florida area anytime soon? Because, I mean, there's a huge market for independent artists on here, uh, you know, especially like the superhero genre. It's really big in the comic book. You know, you know, fandom down here in South Florida. You know, um, so currently I only do conventions that I can either, like, take a mega bus to. Like, gotcha. I, I used to do Boston Comic Con uh, before Fan Expo bought it. Um, but I, I hear it's it's coming back. I hear I hear it's it's good again. But anyway, um, I I do, yeah, Baltimore Comic Con. I can take a bus there. Um, I recently did Small Press Expo, which was uh, near the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, for like I'll pay for a plane ticket to <laughs> to do a Michigan show because I stay with my parents. You know, I get to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but currently, I mean, like, honestly, it's not worth the plane ticket if I because it, it's, it's it's very expensive. I mean, like the table costs. Are expensive, and then you know, what if I don't get enough drawing commissions? You know, right, then it's right. like you're out a ton of money if they actually if the convention doesn't bring the people in. If uh, you know, yeah, so it's it's hard. I mean, a couple times I did San Diego Comic Con because my sister lives wow. in San Diego. Yeah, I did nice. it. I did it one and a half times, which is weird. Like I, I don't know if we have time for that. The half story of how I got into San Diego Comic Con because it's kind of a long story, but um, <laughs> but yeah, then she um, she moved to uh, Ramona, which is like an hour away, and I'm not sure. Even if I did get accepted again to Artist Alley, I couldn't stay with her, so because it's just too far away. So I don't know. Well, that's that's a problem I don't have to worry about right now. But uh, yeah, I usually usually just try to keep it. To somewhere that's not too far of a like a bus ride or maybe train ride away. But in the future, in the future, I mean, hey, I'll check out Florida, you know. Um, I'll tell you what, um, I'm friends with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Irvin Santiago. You ever heard of him? Um, 
I have not. Okay, he runs uh, Ultracon of South Florida. He's a very, very cool dude. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah, he's uh, been on the show. We actually, he was uh, a co-host for a little bit on one of uh, our podcasts. Uh, oh. not, not a full-time thing, just something he did uh, for a little bit when he was not working. And he was like, I'm bored, guys. Mm-hmm. Can I jump <laughs> on? They were yeah. like, yeah, come on, you know, he's a buddy of ours, so, uh, but he's very, you know, busy with, with, of course, his convention, Ultracon. Um, I might be able to get, you know, hooked up and, uh, get you maybe a table, uh, out there where I'm gonna put a word if you're interested in the, in the future. Ooh, really? Next year. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I would um, be. Hey, you know what? Take that opportunity. Like, I'm definitely open to many opportunities, so. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I wouldn't name, I wouldn't name drop a guy like that if I wasn't serious. Put it that way. He's a very, very <laughs> professional guy, and uh, he has a great convention. You really should uh, check him out. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of UltraCon. UltraCon? Yeah, you know yeah. what? Um, I've heard of, I've heard of some conventions, but since since I like, I haven't been considering the states that are further out. Maybe I've heard of it, but I, um, I didn't really look into it too much, um, because because it was like seemingly out of my range. But right, but right. now I know. So <laughs> don't worry, Irvin. She's heard of you. We're cool. We'll, we'll hook you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's awesome. That that's awesome. I mean, I, I wish you the best. I hope that uh, you know that you're very successful because it looks really, really cool. I, I, I you know, I'm one of these people. I love serious comics. I love you know the Batman's and you know the mm-hmm. darker takes on on action heroes and superheroes and you know human beings that do you know impossible things like Batman, who's just a, a guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love those kind of comics. I love sci-fi space stuff as you. Can tell from earlier and the guest yeah. I had on. Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of what I do. So it's a perfect blend uh, for my taste. Um, I'm super giddy to go through it and read the entire thing when it comes out and it's Good. fully out there. Uh, again, the Kickstarter is going to be live on my page for as long as you need it, three more Great. days. I, I want to have you back on when it's ready to uh, roll out and you, you know, and you have. Everything, uh, you know, ready to be put out there so we can promote it some more. Oh, Please sure. Keep me up to date. I mean, that's one thing that I always tell my, uh, my guests when they have a project coming out and it's, you mm-hmm. know, fresh. Keep me updated. I want to help you. Yeah. It. I want to put it out there for people. Oh, definitely. Will do. Now, you know, in the uh, near, very near future, we're going to be wrapping up here. In a couple of minutes, because we're almost out of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, going away now. You know, the, the floor is yours for a, a minute and a half. Tell the audience whatever it is you want to leave them with. Uh, you know, I, mean, I know you're exhausted from the convention. Yeah. And, uh, you have to be because I, I've been through conventions. I know exactly yeah. how tiring they are. Um, but, you know, tell the audience exactly where, you know, you want them to go, uh, again, remind them because, uh, you know, repetitive, uh, you know, URLs and say things over and over always clicks better than just saying the ones on the podcast. So give the audience again the link. And again, anything you want to leave them with, please go ahead and do so. Okay, great. Yeah, so go to kickstarter.com and search for Mindy Indy. That's M-I-N-D-Y, I-N-D-Y. Or search for Airhead. That's spelled A-E-R, head. And uh, yeah, if you're a fan of, you know, sci-fi or comedies like uh, if you like x-men 
if you like uh, Archie comics, because there is like a love triangle interest as well in there. Um, love yeah, it's a, it's a mix of, um, you know, they, there are surfers, you know, in it. But I'd say it's more on the sci-fi spectrum than like you know you don't have to know all the surf lingo or whatever. Like you, uh, yeah, it's it's set in the future and we have like flying surfboards that go in the air and in the water. And so uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, you will love Airhead. Mindy, I'm still waiting for a hoverboard. You've yeah. talked my language with us with a flying surfboard. Are you kidding me? Yes. Oh, wait, no, no, I'm not kidding you. No, you you hit me right in the heart with that one. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, see, because it's, and, but it's even better than a hoverboard because it's dual purpose. It goes in the ocean and then, then in, in the sky as well. There you go. You can't beat that. It's better than Sharknado. Are you kidding me? Yes. Mindy, you're awesome. Thank you so much for spending your, your time here with us. And uh, once again, uh, please, when everything's ready to come on, bless us again and come on the show with us again so we can talk about, about it some more. And uh, everybody uh, listening in, please go to Kickstarter as soon as we're done here. Pledge some uh, some to, to the account and uh, to help fund this, uh, this project along. It's a great-looking project. I can't say enough about it. Just uh, indulging in it the last few days has been a ton of fun. Again, I said it before, and I'll say it on the air. You have great screen presence, and one day I will see you on a podcast doing it yourself. You have that kind of voice, that kind of talent, and I look forward to hearing your show one day. I'm just saying, it, it, you ooze personality, and that's great for Aww. both comic books and uh, podcasting, so... You know, I appreciate that. Oh, so, such kind words. I really appreciate that, Angel. Thank you very much. Guys, uh, this is another episode of Inside the Jackal's Head, and unfortunately, we're all out of time here, and uh, it's midnight. The midnight hour is struck, and now uh, Dr. J is getting ready to come on and uh, get his show on the road. This has been a very fun episode with Mindy Indy and Paul Dale Roberts in the first hour. Again, go to angelespino.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-E-S-P-I-N-O.com. Get it, E-S-P-I-N-O, because I'm kind of like E-S-P. I know. <laughs> huh? And that's my actual last name, ESP. I know psychic stuff. I knew she was going to be great, and she was awesome. Told you guys, shame on you for not calling and all you who are texting me saying we wanted to call, but it was so good. Uh, the the podcast will be live uh, in a few minutes. You'll be able to retrace and and, and get back to her, uh, Mindy. Thank you so much again, dear. Have a cool. great evening. Thanks again. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody, that is Mindy Indy, and I will leave you now with Little Space Boy Cosmic Wisdom. Check that out. We'll be back next week with more show on Inside the Jackal's Head. Got a doozy for you. And uh, it's going to get a little hairy. A little spooky. Just giving Dr. J some time because the load is uh, show up here. Uh, but that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm waiting for Pete on the other side of the glass here to give me the go ahead. And uh, it looks like he's ready to go. 
and uh, I'm ready to take off. And again next week, folks, Joe Roop on the show. Now, good night, everybody. <laughs>